You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has run. McKinley Wright Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and today we are we're talking about linemen. Uh, we are what I think we're eight days now away from spring practice starting up. That's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, we're just going to keep going with these position previews. Now, the reason why I figured today was a good day to go with the offensive line is because. The Buffs got a commitment from a big new offensive lineman today. Um, so his name is Nikhil Betrand. Betrand. B e t r a n d. Um, I'm not sure. I've been reading it all morning. I, I hadn't. Uh, I hadn't really thought of how to say it. Um, big Keel. That's what we call him. Big Keel. He is an offensive tackle from Philadelphia. Uh, this will be the first commitment for Kyle Devan, Colorado's new offensive line coach. And it seems like a, a pretty good one. Um, he's, like I said, he's a big guy. Six foot seven, 315 pounds already. That's a big dude. It's a really big dude. And based on the 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 tape that I've seen, he uses it well. Um, and again, like I, I don't have access to every play that, that he's in on, and so maybe there's some ugly stuff in there somewhere. But when you look at the highlights from his junior year that he put together, tough not to get excited. Um, again, it's, it's, it's almost just like a different game. He's one of those guys where you're just so big. It, at the high school level, you're going to be able to run over just about everybody, right? 
And so he's he, he plays primarily right tackle right now, which is definitely interesting, I think. Um, you usually, obviously, run behind your right tackle, uh, and your left tackle is your pass protector. And it could, uh, you know, I think it's easy to see you, you, these guys and just be like, okay, whoever the best tackle is, put them at left tackle. And a lot of the time, that's how it works. But, you know, looking at how things set up right now, you almost would expect him to stick at right tackle. Um, and, and, you know, we'll, we'll get into what these this, this offensive line will look like this year later on. But since, since we want to start with the news, I want to talk about down the road. So you have Jake Wiley. And, and Jake Wiley was your left tackle last year. He's going to be a sophomore. Um, he's, he's going to be your left tackle probably for the next couple years. And that's not totally set in stone. Um, actually, we'll, we'll get into that later on. I think that by the time that we're, we're considering seeing Big Keel on, on the field, you're probably thinking about Travis Gray as kind of being that other guy. So you have your two tackles, Travis Gray and Nikhil Bertrand. Um, and I think that with Travis, you know, obviously he's he's been in the program a year longer. When the time comes for these two to be out on the field, I, I think that you probably expect him to be a little bit more refined. Um, and because of that, it kind of makes sense for him to be on the left, especially if you really like the idea of running behind Nikhil Bertrand. It's not Bertrand, but it's Bertrand. Um, Nikhil. We're just going with Nikhil. Um and so because of that, it, it might make sense to keep Nikhil at the right tackle, then eventually, maybe for his senior year or whatever, move him over to left to show that versatility and, and kind of show him off a little bit for the, the NFL guys who are going to be paying attention. Because again, like at 6'7", 315 already, and that's, that's NFL size. And his body is still, uh, I don't know. Like when, when we talk about draft prospects, we talk about sloppy bodies um, and... It's just kind of weird to use those sorts of words of, about high school recruits. You know, like, of course, the body is not in great shape. Like, you're, he's, he's 17, something like that. Like, he hasn't been in the program, like, trying to, to, to put himself together the way he wants to be built. So once he, once he does get everything figured out and, and work into that, like, he has the size and the build to, to be looked at by NFL teams, and that's half the battle. You know, if you're a left tackle who's six foot three, it's like, well, sorry, maybe they'll look at you as a guard, um, and, and maybe not even that. And, and so it's kind of like basketball in that way, right? Where it's like Evan Batty, you're six foot eight. Nope, you, it doesn't work in the NBA. It just doesn't work in the NBA, and that sucks. And you're gonna have opportunities to make a lot of money somewhere else. Left tackle is kind of the same thing, and I think that the Buffs landed somebody who has that high of a ceiling. You know, you don't necessarily expect him to to be a first-round pick or anything like that. You still have to do a lot of work and play well and all that sort of thing. Um, but the ceiling is very high. And and the bar has also been set really high now, right? Because that's that's the first guy that, that you have coming in under Kyle Devan. How many more can he get? And I think you expect him to recruit well. You know, he has everything that you're looking for in a recruiter. You know, we haven't seen him do much of that to this point in his career. But, you know, former NFL guy, 
younger coach, good personality, um, has has worked in at some some major programs, has some accolades behind his name, um, and, and so it kind of just checks all the boxes that if you're going into a living room and saying, hey, come play football for me, it's, it's easy to get a yes. It's easy to get a yes, and and this was a, a, a good sign. Um, I actually, I just realized, I haven't looked up what his like recruiting rankings are um let's just we're gonna jump over 24 7 sports um so he doesn't have a rating yet makes sense otherwise we probably have heard um quite a few offers not not many big schools you know you've got memphis in there you've got washington in there uh tulsa uh coastal carolina um so so some solid schools but it's not like this is the guy that ever that nick saban is fighting with Lincoln Riley over, you know, um, and again, it's still early and the buffs need to hold on to this commitment. Um, you know, you know, you, there's, uh, the, the receiver who committed Edward Schultz. It's kind of that same thing where it's cool to get the commitment. Now you got to hold on. Now you got to hold on. Um, I think that we can probably wrap up that and move into this offensive line now yeah yeah i think i've got everything i need to get out again just really big football player um puts defenders on their backs constantly somebody who you really like the idea of running behind and somebody with all the tools to be a next level player as well so um good stuff good stuff and that's Nikhil betrand betrand i hate i wish i knew how to say that there's no like media guide or anything yet um Okay, moving along to this year's offensive line. So, um, first of all, no seniors. And I think that that's something you look at and can get excited about. Um, maybe not necessarily for this season, but you like the idea of being able to put together five guys this season, let them work together for a year, go through an offseason, bring them all back, and then all of a sudden you have a very veteran offensive line in the 2024 season. And... Or sorry, for the 2023 season. We're in 2022 now. I skipped a year. Um, now, you know, that's maybe just a little bit disappointing, but that's the world we're living in, right? Where because of the way that contracts are structured, all those sorts of things, the the losses that the Buffs have had over the offseason, it's tough to imagine CU being a super competitive team this year. Um, and, and because of that, a little easier to accept that this offensive line is still probably a year away from being, you know, I, I don't want to say being a good group, like they could be good this year, but but getting back to, to very high standards, having having a group that really could be one of the best in the Pac-12, um, very much in the cards, but I think that that's the first thing that I I think of when I look at this group is, this is the rebuilding year. This is fixing everything up that happened last year. This is patching holes, and this is getting some good work in so that you can come out firing in 2023. Now, you also uh, you also look at the schedule, and that's kind of the other piece of the equation, where this year, you know, from the, from the, the North Division of the Pac-12, you get Washington, you get Oregon, and you get Oregon State. Then you're going to play the Pac-12 South every single year you get everybody. Um, not the toughest draw, not the toughest draw. Um, but you know, 
I actually, it's it's pretty close to the the toughest draw. Oregon State in there isn't so bad. Non-conference, you're looking at TCU, Air Force, Minnesota. Um, next year, next year for non-conference, you're looking at a road game against TCU. Then you've got Nebraska in Boulder. Then you've got CSU in Boulder. It's easy to see them starting two and one, even with like the team that they're going to have this year. Um, instead of looking at probably one and two and some really tricky games, you know, Air Force is never fun. And then next year, you have that road game against Oregon, which you obviously don't love. Um, but you're home against Stanford, that should be manageable. You're home against Oregon State, um, and, and so. Oh, and then Washington State. There we go. At Washington State. So, again, those are your four. I, I said there was three teams in the North. That's wrong. There's actually four. And who's the other one here? Uh, Oregon, Oregon State. Oh, Cal. Cal is in there with Washington. Um, so, again, a little bit lighter schedule in 2023. And that is when I think a lot of the team will really be gelling, but especially this offensive line. We kind of got a little bit off track there. Um, but just big picture, it's worth remembering you should be able to keep this group together. It's just figuring out what that group is. And the one exception to that, and this is where we're going to start things off, that one exception is Casey Roddick. Um, and you never know. Like, could could Frank Phillip decide that he he's ready to, to try to play at the next level? Absolutely. Uh, Josh Jines, Tommy Brown, sure. But to me, Casey is probably the guy who has the the, the tools and the traits that would that would say like yeah you know you've you've done your time you've been around the program for a while you can leave before your senior year potentially and I don't think that's going to happen I don't think any of these guys are going to be leaving early for the NFL but that is kind of the one thing that could throw a hitch in it and I do think that if somebody does leave I I go Casey um so there you go in terms of who's actually going to be on the field um and we'll just kind of work backwards through these classes you know I brought up Casey Roddick he's one of the four juniors here um, and and I think that he's one of your core pieces you know he's he's a really good football player you slot him in at one of these guard spots set it and forget it Um, I think that with just a little bit of coaching you can clean some things up um, and, and I think that he gets one of these spots um, Tommy Brown is probably the other guy I'm most confident in. I think Tommy Brown gets a starting spot. Um, I, I, I know that this coaching staff is really high on him. Um, they are really excited that they were able to get him to come to Colorado. Now, you know, we've seen the, the big school transfers before that, that didn't have huge impacts. You know, uh, Robert Barnes comes from Oklahoma. Jack Lamb comes from Notre Dame. Tommy Brown... He's a backup lineman at Alabama. Decides he wants to go somewhere where he can get more playing time. It's a big dude, and I, I know that the coaches think he can play. So we just kind of have to wait and see, but he's the other one I'm probably most confident in seeing out there as a starter. Um, outside of that, you really have a lot of question marks. Um, there's, there's a lot of ways that everything else could kind of fit together probably could have mentioned this earlier but um you're you're losing a few pieces so you're losing Colby Purcell he's been your center for the last couple of years uh, ever since Tim Lanott left um you're losing Kari Kutch who I I'm starting to feel some more hype for in terms of an NFL future um 
He was very easily the best lineman last year, with Purcell probably as a pretty clear number two. And when you lose your top two linemen from a group that was already really bad, easy be pessimistic. Um, so you lose those two. You lose Kanan Ray, um, and Kanan primarily played guard for CU. Um, how many how many snaps did he play? He appeared in six games, played 67 snaps. Or no, sorry, 147 snaps. Um, that's compared to like 683 for Colby Purcell. So he he was rotating in there. Um, Jake Wiley is back. He was your starting left tackle last year. Um, you've got uh, Casey is obviously back. He was he was a mainstay on the offensive line. Uh, Frank Phillip missed a couple games for health reasons. But he was also a starter. He was your starting right tackle when he was healthy. And those are your three real remaining pieces here. Um, like I said, I'm not sure what's going to happen at tackle in particular. Um, you bring in Tommy Brown, who's a tackle. And I think he takes somebody's job. I, I'm not sure if that's Jake Wiley or Frank Phillip. Um, and, and I think that there's honestly a chance that one of those guys could even move inside to guard and play there. Um, and that might make a little bit more sense. I think that Frank obviously is a senior, more developed, um, more excitement around him coming into last season. He struggled. I mean, Jake Wiley really struggled, though. He was also a freshman. And the fact that he has those reps, that might just be something you want to build on, right? Like you say, hey, the, the difference between these two pretty negligible let's give it to the younger guy and see if we can keep him progressing and moving along and and maybe you take a little bit of a hit right now but you you reap those benefits in a couple of years when he has an extra year of experience under his belt um and i don't i don't think that they would pass on frank i mean they'll put the best five out there this is not a team that has the luxury of, of messing around with that stuff you know when you're down at bama and you're playing a joke non-conference schedule. You've got three non or three conference games that are really going to test you. You don't necessarily have to put your best players on the field. Now you still typically do, but there might be one or two spots where you say like, "Hey, let's get this guy some reps. Let's see what this guy can do." Um, at Colorado, you have to fight and fight and fight for every every point that you score. Um, and I think that similar. You know, I talked about this with the Broncos a little bit last year, but. You know, I, I, I like the idea of keeping Javante Williams off the field because he's a really good run, young running back, but keep the tread off his tires. You know, throw Melvin Gordon in there. Let him do a bunch of the work. And then late in the season, you ramp up with Javante, get him ready to go for the playoffs so that his legs are fresh. The Broncos are not a good enough team to be doing anything but putting their best players on the field. And again, it's the same thing here where... Is it Jake Wiley or Frank Phillip? You'd really have to see this gap as being very small if you're going to put Jake Wiley in. Um, but I, I, I do think that that is very much in the cards, and I think that's one of the battles to watch. And, and to be totally honest, I mean, Tommy Brown is going to have to earn his spot too. You know, he's not just going to walk right in here and be the, the left tackle that they build around. Um, I, I think that, again, I, I know that they're excited about him. It's easy to see when you look at him like, okay, yeah, this guy can play, but he's got to do it. He's got to do it, um, and we'll, we'll see if he does. Um, real quick, real quick, I'm going to remind you guys about Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, Breckenridge makes so many good beers. I uh, 
Oh, I had a picture of the avalanche, la- not by myself. Me and some friends had some avalanches out of a picture at Blake Street Tavern last night, which was a good time. Um, yeah, I guess I guess that was it from Breckenridge that I drank. Tonight, going to the Nuggets game, uh, they've got the Clippers, and I, uh, I'll i be drinking a couple more avalanches. Actually, right after this, I'm headed over to the bar to do bets um the the betting show at 3 30 tune in if you somehow get to like minute 30 of this podcast before well, yeah the, the math doesn't work there you're not gonna be able to tune in in time Matt, because i told you now but uh i'm gonna go over there and i'm going to probably drink a breckenridge beer or two before this game tonight so that's gonna be a lot of fun too uh breckenridge is really great stuff they're a great partner of ours and we feel good supporting them. So hopefully you jump in and do that too. Also, DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, so I've been doing, like I said, like Nuggets tonight, Avs yesterday. It was the Nuggets the night before that. I think going to the Avs game again tomorrow. It's a busy time. But this is kind of the down period between basketball and football. I haven't, I haven't had like a real down period like these 10 days or 14 days or whatever. Honestly, since like fall ball started. And you can't complain too much because after the spring game, I'm going to have a, some free time over the summer. Um, but it's been kind of fun. And we've got some friends in town, and they've been hitting up all of the the specials at DraftKings. Um, obviously, new users coming down from Montana. And I think so. It was the same uh, bet that we've been talking about, uh, which is you pick any NCAA tournament game, Bet $5 on somebody to win. If you're right, you get $200 in free bets. Um, it pays out, I think, is five or six. I think five $40 free bets, which would make a lot of sense. Um, but you wind up just with those five $40 free bets, which is awesome. And so they've just been raking in the cash, putting those on different things. And it's been really cool. Um, one of my friends actually did it on a women's game, which is a really good call because you don't see so many upsets in the women's games. And so that was a, a genius move on her part. But uh, yeah, DraftKings Sportsbook. Now is the time to be jumping in, obviously, with the tournament underway. We've all been making money. I made some money on the abs last night while we were out there. Make sure if you haven't signed up yet, you get in on this deal. Uh, again, all you got to do, bet any college basketball game, any team, and you get $200 in free bets if you place a $5 bet. It's a great deal. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Um, back in with this offensive line, though. So, like I said, there's kind of a lot of competition this year. There's a lot of guys who could be fitting into different spots, which is different than last year. Um, where there are basically seven guys who could compete for the five jobs and they wound up just kind of rotating everybody in early in the season. Um, I think that with this many players, so many people who could crack this lineup, it probably makes more sense just to pick your five and roll with it and then sub in if there's injuries. Because if you start to open that door of like, well, maybe this guy needs some reps. Maybe this guy needs some reps. I mean, if if you're giving, you know, Jared Christian Lichtenhan a couple reps, how do you justify not giving some reps to Austin Johnston or Noah Fenske or, or whoever is those those top guys off the bench? Um, you know, so again, Tommy Brown, I'm really confident, is going to be a part of this lineup. Casey Roddick will be a piece of this lineup. 
um, Frank Phillip or Jake Wiley, I, one of them will absolutely... It's so hard to say. It's so hard to say um, because you, you have Jake Wiley as a sophomore. Jared Christian Lichtenhan is also a sophomore. And he, he, he also struggled last year. I mean, Jake struggled. Frank struggled. And I put most of those struggles on the coach. And maybe we'll get into the coaching situation a little bit later on. But I... Uh, I, I guess maybe Jared has a real chance of landing one of these jobs as well. And maybe he could knock out Jake Wiley and Frank Phillip to do it. Or or maybe Tommy Brown sees the bench. Um, I guess at, at center, you're in a little bit different situation. So you have Josh Gines as a junior. Um, he's kind of the next in line. He's the guy who you would say, like, with Colby Purcell gone, he probably steps up. You know, that's that's what we saw last year, right? Um, I actually can't remember. I know that Carson Lee got in a little bit. I think that was just early in the season. So I'm not sure. Carson Lee, Josh Gines, um, Austin Johnson, how does that all work out at center? I mean, Noah Fenske, the Iowa transfer, he's a sophomore this year. You know, he he could also be a center or or a guard. And I wouldn't be too surprised to see him in there either. Um if I had to put together a starting lineup today, I'd say Tommy Brown at left tackle, Frank Phillip at right tackle, um, Casey Roddick at right guard, Gines at center, and Fenske at left guard. I, I think that that would probably be my group. Um, that's probably the the safest bet, right? Um, not not throwing in um, you know Jake Wiley over somebody more experienced. Um, not throwing in an Austin Johnson, another one of those sophomores. Big sophomore class. Jared Christian Lichtenhan, Noah Fenske, Alex Harkey, Austin Johnson, Carson Lee, Jake Wiley. It's a lot of sophomores in there. Um, and I think you're going to see at least, you definitely are going to see at least one of them start, but maybe two. Um, it's going to be a big competition. And as far as I know, everybody is going to be healthy in the spring too. So this is going to be a lot different than last year when in spring ball, they... Uh, I can't remember if they got down to eight or nine guys. I think it was nine guys, and they had Jared Christian Lichtenhan rolling with the the ones and the twos. So he was playing every single rep because, obviously, with nine guys, you can't put together two lineups, two top lines to put in there. Um, oh, there's my alarm. Got to turn that off. There we go. Um, yeah. So if, if those are your starting five... I think the the first guy you look to and say like ah this guy could ruin that starting five and that's Jake Wiley he's he's kind of the first one up to take one of those jobs in my opinion um, Austin Johnson probably right there um, Jared Christian Lichtenhan probably up next you know Carson Lee had the the legal run in and I haven't heard anything in a while um, but but that still needs to play out you know I think that people have been kind of counting him out um, saying like yeah he's not and, and right now that is probably the right thing to do because he's not I'm pretty sure still not with the team but I do think that at least before the season starts you're probably going to see that that situation be resolved in some way um, and you know if he if he comes out clean if, if the ruling goes in his favor then he could very well be right back with the team and in that case I think that he would be a factor particularly at center um, he, he obviously loses some offseason reps going through all that stuff but it's 
it's a name worth keeping in mind. It isn't totally time to, to say like, nope, over for Carson Lee. Um, then, then I guess behind those guys, you get the developmental pieces. So, so you're true freshman. You've got Carter Edwards. You've got Travis Gray. You've got Van Wells. I, I think Carter Edwards and Travis Gray are going to be really good players. Just probably not ready to be playing as 18-year-olds because in the trenches, just about nobody is. Um, Edgar Amaya, Jackson Anderson back for their second years. Um, who knows? Maybe we start to hear some buzz about them. Um, but, but you know, that's that's what makes spring ball so fun. We get to see these different combinations. We get to we get to hear what the coaches have to say. And uh, we'll, we'll have a little bit better idea of what this group looks like in a few weeks. Um, obviously, 10 juniors and sophomores. I think... So let's see, Jared Christian Lichtenhan and Carson Lee haven't redshirted. Um, but the rest of them have redshirted, and that means that they're they're right there. And any any of them have a real chance to to be key pieces of this offense this season. Um I'd run through some of like the pro football focus stats, but basically what they say is that Kari's really good and everybody else is really bad. Um, which is kind of what we knew. And again, I don't, I don't think that there's a lack of talent along the offensive line. I, I think that you have Mitch Rodriguez in there, and he was not great at his job when, when push came to shove. And that, that not only hurt them last year, but it did set pretty much everybody back. You know, that's not like a full year of learning lost, but it's, it's pretty close to it. It's pretty close to it. And... It'd be nice if those guys had been developed under Kyle Devan for one more year at this point. It'd be really exciting. But the truth is, there's probably going to be some growing pains this season. Um, and Kyle Devan really does have his work cut out for him. I think he's a good coach. I uh, I am curious because I'm pretty sure... Actually, no, Michigan does run a lot of zone. Let me double check that, though. Um, but... I typically you're seeing this West Coast style of offense paired with a, a zone running game, particularly like those wide zone runs. I would guess that that's kind of what we're going to be seeing here. Um, and that's, that's what the buffs have trended toward over the course of um, this Carl Durrell era. Uh, but I, I guess it's not really a guarantee um, so we'll be curious, but I do think that there's going to be a lot of zone running. And I think that that can really, I, I think that that could really unlock some things in this running game. Um, and I think they need it. They absolutely need it. Also, I pulled up, so Michigan last year, 142 zone runs, 358 gap runs. So... You know, maybe, maybe not. Maybe we will see more of that style of offense. Because, again, I was thinking back to, like, he was playing for the Colts in that Super Bowl. I think that they were power runs at, at that time. Um, but we'll find out. We'll find out. And we'll have some questions to ask once we get into spring ball. Um, I think that's going to do it for today. I'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk more. And we're only eight days away from football. Well, spring football. And I'm excited. I hope you guys are, too. We're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll talk again tomorrow.